uh, to verse 19 and read the whole passage again. We, we've been tearing this passage apart for, for three weeks now, but let's put it all together here today. Since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. What does that remind us of? We just celebrated the blood of Jesus, didn't we? And by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. There it is again. The bread represents his body, which was broken for us. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now, this is where we're going to take up now. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We've been looking at God's gracious invitation. Let us draw near. Let us come into his presence for a time of fellowship. Let us come before his throne in prayer. We saw God's part. He gave his blood. He, he gave, Christ gave his body for us. He gave his blessing in the form of being a high priest for us. He has done everything necessary for us to have fellowship with God. It, it has been accomplished through him. Our part as we saw last week, is simply to come. Come in faith. Come with uh, a pure heart, uh, our, our bodies washed with the water of the word. Come with that sense of hope and anticipation because we are coming into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I realize as we look around the world today, there's not a whole lot of hope out there. But for you and I, there's a tremendous hope. We, we our opening song, we sang about that, that hope. And we have a glorious future to look forward to. Let us come, not discouraged by what may be touching our lives today. Let us come with an element of hope as we rest in him. Then we move on into verses 24 and 25, where we are reminded that we are, if we come into his presence, we have a responsibility then to love one another, to reach out to one another. First Corinthians 13, 13 says, now abideth faith. We looked at that, hope. And then that leads right into now abides love. And that is basically the thrust of these last two verses. We are to love one another. As I think of, we, we, we sang about the, the day, glorious day we're going to be with Christ and so forth. Uh, Peter raises a question in Second Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 11, after revealing what some of the events that are going to happen as we approach the end of this age. He asks the question, what manner of men, what manner of women ought we to be? If we truly believe that Jesus Christ is coming again, if we are looking forward in hope to being in his presence, then I believe we will love one another. In 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 19, he speaks of the fact that we love. Why? Because he first loved us. If, if we've accepted his love, if, if we 
are rejoicing in that love, then we have that responsibility to love one another. Romans chapter 5, verse 15, speaks of the fact that his love has been poured out in our hearts. The, the, the picture, that, the word picture that he gives there is, in a sense, we are a channel of that love. Pours it into our hearts so that he can touch somebody else through us. That love is not to go into a reservoir. It's to be through a pipeline to, to reach those that desperately need to see the love of Christ. And so he begins with, let us consider. We're going to look at three thoughts in your notes today, but before we do, that little word consider means to give a careful thought to, to to spend some time meditating and thinking about and considering what is it that God is saying to us through his word, and how is it that he wants us to be the, the instrument of his love to others. This is important. It's an outgrowth of his love for us. First John 3, 16 stresses the fact that how can we say we love God whom we can't see if we don't love our brother who we can see? We, we, we need to work that love out in a practical way. And this is seen throughout scripture. Isaiah chapter six, remember? Isaiah was in the temple praying, seeking God. God drew near. And they had that time of fellowship together. Isaiah falls on his face before the Lord. And the Lord at the end of that says, who Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And so if we come and we draw near to God, we're going to be sent out as instruments of his love. So three commands. The first one, and I'm using the King James Version on this because some of you use the King James Version. And if you're not careful, you're going to misinterpret that particular word that's used there. The King James Version says, let us provoke one another. Uh, That we have to be very, very careful with. I don't want you to go home uh, and provoke your wife or your husband or your brother or sister or whatever. That's not the idea that he has in mind here. That's the negative side of of this word. I, I saw that in action when I was working, when I was in high school. I took care of a place for for a summer the lady that her had lost her husband the year before that and she took the whole summer off with her two kids and traveled across the states and she asked if i would take care of the, the property for her and uh, so I, I as i was working one day under a row of of evergreen trees something hit my hand and i didn't give it a second thought i just kept weeding until suddenly all at once, something like about seven things hit my hand. And uh, I noticed just above my head was a hornet's nest. I had provoked them. I, I had stirred them up. Uh, I, I didn't mean to. I didn't intend to. But uh, they just didn't take kindly to the fact that I was weeding under their nest. Uh, they also provoked me. <laughs> uh, I took a step or two back. I found the biggest rock I could find, and I put it right through their nest. I I really provoked them. (laughs) And then I ran. (laughs) But that's not what he's talking about here. In in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, he speaks of the fact that love, and he's using the same word here, love is not easily provoked. 
So we need to be careful about that. Don't be a provoker in that sense today. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. He says, fathers, don't provoke your children. Again, that's something we we have to guard against. So the biblical mandate here is don't go home and provoke your family. And don't do the same thing in the church. Don't be critical. Don't... uh, get people upset. Don't be miserable in your actions with others. Rather, the positive aspect of this is let us stimulate one another to what? To love and good deeds. We're not to fight. We're not to be argumentative. We are to encourage one another in love. A good example of this took place back in 1987. It was the story of Scott Craigle. He was a dedicated athlete. He spent hours and hours practicing, and, and, and just before fall practice started, he was a basketball player. Just before fall started, he was involved in a serious car accident. When he awoke, he faced a long rehabilitation process. Like most patients with closed head injuries, Scott balked at doing the slow, tedious work which was required of him, things like trying to string bean, uh, beads on, on a string. Who, What high school junior would enjoy doing that? Tom Martin, his coach at the school, Christian school he attended, had an idea. He told Scott that if he, that he would reserve a spot on the varsity team for him if he would cooperate with a therapist and show progress in the task he was asked to do. Tom's wife, Cindy, spent many hours with Scott encouraging him to keep going. Within two months, Scott was riding off the basketball court on his teammates' shoulders. He had made nine straight free throws to clinch a triple overtime league victory. But it wasn't Scott. It was the encouragement of somebody else that brought him to that point. How do we encourage one another? How do we do that at home? How do we do it at church? When someone serves, do we show our appreciation by thanking them for what they do? do? Do we show appreciation or are we quick to criticize? When our kids are struggling, are we there to encourage them one step at a time? I, I remember years ago when we pastored in uh, Murdo, South Dakota, we had a fellow, he was a fairly young Christian. Uh, he had two or three small kids at that time. His oldest was, uh, I think, a first grader. And then they had a basketball team for first graders. Now, that's kind of hard to imagine, but uh, I I think they lowered the basket. I'm not sure. But uh, they they, they did start them out at an early age. Well, Brett was the type who was a highly competitive individual, had been an athlete himself. And, And on one occasion, his son was out there on the court and, you know, if you've ever watched six-year-olds play basketball, it's not the best game in the world. And the kids were struggling. And Brett kept hollering at the kids, telling them to pay attention, watch this and watch that. And finally, the ref turned around, looked him in the face and said, give them a break. They're just kids. 
the Lord spoke to his heart that day, and, and he, he had to apologize to, to those kids eventually, uh, like Jim was saying. Sometimes that's hard, isn't it, to say, I'm sorry. But he recognized as a child of God, he was out of line, and, and, and he needed to, to take care of, of that. Uh, that was He was provoking them in the wrong way. He needed to be there encouraging them and stimulating them to, to love and, and good works there. How many people serve and never get a word of encouragement? We, we have a lot of things that go on in the church, uh, a, a lot of things that ha, have you ever stopped to thank whoever it is that keeps the lawn mowed or the church clean? It's not a job that you, you see being done unless you drive by at the right time. But it's an important job. And, and, and do we encourage those that, that are serving that? Are we a blessing to them? Uh, another way we can encourage other, someone else is through practical service. You see a brother or sister in need, can you reach out and say, let me help with that need, let me, let me bear that load? Uh, maybe we need to ask God to lead us to somebody this week that, that just needs uh, an element of encouragement and provoke them to love and, and good deeds. The second thing in your notes there is he calls us, let us fellowship with one another. He puts it, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. You know, when I read that, I, I can't help but wonder, was that a problem in the first century? We, we, we struggle with that today, uh, people forsaking the, the assembling of themselves t- together. I, I never know how to answer a question or, or never used to know how to answer a question when people would ask me, how many people come to your church? Hmm, how do you answer that? Do you, do you mean how, what's the average attendance on Sunday morning or what's the attendance if, if everybody came on a particular Sunday? Because uh, that's two vastly different answers there. I realize life is busy, and I'm not attempting to put a guilt trip on those that aren't here today or, or you when you're, you're not here. Um, I, I realize we struggle with work issues and pressures and virus and so forth, and I'm not the judge in those areas. But I will put a guilt trip on you if you don't take time to fellowship with the Lord. Well, you may not always be able to gather together, but... I think every one of us can carve out some time through the day to fellowship with him. He said, let us draw near. Do we take the time to fellowship with him? The problem we face so often is when life gets busy and hectic, we neglect our fellowship with the Lord. We have misplaced priorities and it leads, I believe, to misplaced or missed opportunities there. And the same thing is true as God's children, we're called to assemble together. We forsake that to our own detriment. I remember a couple in my first church uh, started coming just as winter was setting in. They had bought a place. They, they were kind of the type that wanted to drop out of society, get away from everybody. So they brought up, bought a place up on, on the mountain and uh, uh, no electricity, no running water. Uh, it wasn't the the best of places, but they, that's what they wanted. And, and that, they, they started coming to church, came a few weeks, and then we got our first snow. And they said, you know what? We're just going to stay home and have our own church at home. 
I don't know whether they did or not, but uh, we never saw them again. They just kind of drifted away, and that was it. Now, it's kind of like you've seen the example of a, a campfire. Uh, the fire is burning brightly. Somebody removes one log from it, and what happens? Pretty soon that log goes out. The fire is no longer burning that particular log. We need the fellowship of one another. Love has to have fellowship, or it really isn't love. Love does not exist in a vacuum. Have you ever noticed in Scripture how love is used as a reflective word? We are to love what? Not ourselves. Love one another. We're to pray for one another. We're, we're to encourage one another. And, and on and on goes the one another's in, in the New Testament. I did a study on that once, uh, one week at a time on each of those. And I think I came up with 21 different one another's in Scripture. Pray for one another, serve one another. On and on it goes. We need one another. Jackie Robinson was the first black player to play in the Major League Baseball. While breaking baseball's color barrier, he faced jeering crowds everywhere he went. While playing one day in his home stadium in Brooklyn, he committed an error. And the crowd started booing and jeering and laughing at him. He, he stood at second base, humiliated. Then Pee Wee Reese, the shortstop, came over, stood next to him, put his arm around his shoulder, and faced the crowd with him. The fans grew quiet. Later, Jackie said, that arm saved my career. He stepped in, he encouraged, he, he, he was all alone, and somebody needed to come and put a loving arm around him. Maybe you're struggling today. Maybe you have failed in some area. Maybe somebody needs to reach out and put an arm around your shoulder today. And as you think about that, you can be the instrument that God uses to touch somebody else's heart. Now, as I think of what he's saying here, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. This wasn't in my notes until this morning. So uh, I'm just making this up as I go along. If you don't like it, I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to say it anyhow. Uh, we're living in a time when we're faced with government restrictions on assembling together and so forth. Uh, some states, it's, they can no longer assemble together. Uh, if they assemble together, they can no longer sing. And on and on goes the requirements. I want to stress as we look at this passage here, it isn't our governor that gave this command. It's God. God said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. And I have just happened to believe that God's word trumps our government. That God, if he called us to assemble, incidentally, the church is called the assembly. You can't assemble by yourself. It demands more than one. Jesus, in speaking of this in Matthew 18, said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. And so I think as we face the uncertainty of the time in which we're living, it is important for us to assemble while we can. 
if that right is taken away from us, we may have to assemble in secret as they do in China and, and, and different places. But it is important that we follow God's command, not man's. You may need to find a way to connect. Uh, Dan is starting a prayer meeting. I think several people need to connect with Dan. Uh, we, we need those small groups where the board has been bouncing around ideas of other small groups and so forth. We need one another, especially as we face the time in which we're living. We need to connect. We need to fellowship. One way or another, we need to find ways to, to do that. Don't forsake that, he said. Don't uh, cave into the pressure of the enemy. We need to forsake. We need to assemble together. And, and we do that to reach out to one another, to encourage one another to love and, and good deeds. Uh, don't assemble just with the idea of what's in it for me. I have people say, well, I, I didn't get anything out of it, so I'm not going to church next week. That's not the reason for church. I, I had a lady that uh, every time we proposed uh, a new program or, or s- something in the church, she would raise, raise her hand and say, what's in it for me? <laughs> and uh, she loved the Lord, but it, she just, for years, couldn't seem to get beyond the fact that, hey, my needs are the most important. Praise the Lord, she eventually learned. And uh, she was drawn into it. We started a Christian school. She was an older lady. She was from, actually from Holland, had come over at the end of World War II and found a career here, had never married, had no family here. The church was her only family. And uh, eventually she learned that there's joy in serving. And as she found her niche, uh, an opportunity where she had, uh, it was almost funny to, to watch her. We, we started a Christian school, and uh, she didn't have any kids. She didn't know whether she wanted to support a Christian school or not. I mean, what, what am I going to get out of that? And, and then... One day we we needed somebody to come and just listen to the some of the kids as they read their work, said their memory work, and so forth. And, and uh, Alice said, "You know, I think I could do that." And from that moment on, she was a changed person. She began to interact with the kids. It made an impact on her life. She found there is joy in serving, joy in following what, what reaching out to somebody else. I think the question we need to ask is not what's in it for me, but what would you have me to do? All of us have gifts. First uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 10 speaks of the fact that God gave gifts, and I, he mentions there that he gave gifts to every single one of us. If he gave us a spiritual gift, guess what? You're expected to use it. Use it in serving one another. That's what he's saying there in that particular passage. We're all gifted. Uh, Haven't sung it for a while, but I think some of you know that song, Make Me a Blessing. It's good, not just a good song to sing. I think it's a good prayer to pray. Lord, make me a blessing to somebody today. Help me to encourage one another. That's all part of assembling together there. And uh, now I, I'm done that. I lost. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm still in, in my notes. Okay. Uh, the third thing he said here is let us do what? Let us exhort one another. The word 
that he uses to exhort literally means let us encourage one another. That exhortation is to be positive. We are to encourage one another to grow. We are to encourage one another to become all they can be in Christ. The, the three thoughts are interconnected there. We, we stimulate, we provoke one another to love. We assemble together as a means of expressing that love. And then we encourage one another. And notice the reason why. His return is coming. He's coming again. Uh, and, and as I thought about that this week, I thought of Second Timothy chapter 3. He, he opens it up by saying, in the last days, difficult times will come. Have you experienced any of that recently? Difficult times? Uh, take some time this week and read verses 1 through 5 of that chapter, Second Timothy 3. 1 through 5. It will give you an idea of what we are facing. We're just beginning to see, I believe, the beginning of difficult days. It will get progressively worse as time goes on. As we approach the end of this age, as we approach the day when Jesus Christ is going to say it's time, you're going to hear the trumpet, the voice of God, the trumpet of the archangel and so forth there. As we approach that day, we need one another. We need to be encouraging one another. We need to be supporting one another. We need to to be there for one another. And we might as well learn to get along with one another because guess what? We're going to spend eternity together. And uh, so why not start that process today? Is there someone that you know today that needs encouragement is there someone you know that you can be a blessing to jesus christ is coming again this may be your last opportunity to do that you need to reach out and be the instrument of god's love in that situation years ago there was a young lady by the name of linda that was traveling alone on the alaskan highway it was rugged and rugged at that time. She was going from Alberta to the Yukon to, to take up a position as a school teacher there. And I, I know how bad that road can be. My wife and I traveled it many times. It, it, it's supposedly all paved now, but uh, I, I, I still remember leaving Fort St. John, and, and there's a big sign somebody put up on it. Choose your rut carefully. You'll be in it for the next 300 miles. <laughs> and there was an element of truth in that. Uh, it, it, if it had been raining, it was mud. If it was snow, it, it was almost impossible. But uh, you, you could get over it. But you were looking at, at that time, 1,200 miles of gravel road or muddy road or, or whatever there. It was not a fun trip. Uh, she was making that trip. And the first evening, she found a room in, in the mountains near a summit and asked for a 5 a.m. wake-up call so she could get an early start. She couldn't understand why the clerk looked at her surprised at that request. But as she woke up and looked out the window, she realized what, why he had acted that way. The, the whole mountain was shrouded with fog. Not wanting to look foolish or admit she made a mistake, she got up went to breakfast, and there were only two truckers in the, the restaurant where she was. They invited her to join them for breakfast. The place was small, so she 
felt obligated to sit down at the same table with them, and they said, where are you headed? She said, Whitehorse. Uh, he looked out the window, and he said, in that little Civic? He said, no way you're going to make that. The pass is dangerous in weather like this. Well, she said, I'm determined to try. Uh, she wouldn't listen to, to their reasons. Finally, one of the truckers looked at the other one, and he said, I guess we're just going to have to hug her. And she kind of backed off and said, there's no way I'm going to let you touch me. He said, he chuckled and said, that's not what we mean. We're going to put one truck in front of you and one truck behind you. We're going to hug you over the mountain pass. And that's what happened. All that morning, all she could see was two little red dots in front of her, the taillights of the truck in front of her. In her mirror, a ways back, she could see the headlights reflected through the fog. They saw her safely over that pass and eventually to her destination. As you think of that today, do you know somebody that needs a hug? Now, I realize we're in the midst of a pandemic, and I'm not talking necessarily about a physical hug. I, I, I don't care whether you do that or not. Uh, I, I struggle with those passages where he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. That, that's not my style. But I think we can all find somebody that needs a hug, not a physical hug, but an encouragement, a helping hand, so, something going on in their life. Maybe it's just so, they need just somebody to say, let's have a cup of coffee together and sit down and listen to what's on their heart. Maybe it's, it's reaching out in, in a practical way. Uh, I want you today, if you're serious about drawing near to God, I want you to stop this morning and quietly ask the Lord to show you somebody you can be a blessing to this week in a practical way. Not just uh, go away thinking, well, I didn't get anything out of that. No, I want you to stop and pray and ask God to show you one way, one person in our fellowship or maybe in your neighborhood, maybe somebody that doesn't even know the Lord. I, I, it doesn't make any difference who it is. Ask God to put that person on your heart and this week find some way to hug them, to be uh, uh, the Lord's arms that reach out and, and touch that individual to encourage them. And, and to stimulate them to love and good deeds as well. Let's get practical about that old song, Make Me a Blessing. Let's stop today and say, Lord, I want to be that blessing. Show me somebody that I can be a blessing to this week. Let's pray.